Uh, good morning to you all. Indeed, Christ is Lord. And so I pray that the word of my mouth and the meditation of our heart, wherever we are, will be acceptable to you, O God. Now, you may be wondering why, we are, we, why Sonia read to us Daniel chapter 1. Let me assure you that we are still on track looking at Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter. And today, if you turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 46 and 47, that's the passage of which we will be focusing our thoughts on this morning. At the present in somewhere in America, there is a trial going on. There's a trial going on. Elizabeth Holmes, some of you may be following this trial because it deals with multi-billion dollars kind of fraud. Well, let me read what the trial is about. Uh, Elizabeth Holm, of the founder of Teronos. What happened is this company uh, sort of wanted to uh, uh, have a startup to have a machine which actually can just take a drop of your blood and then in a few minutes it will tell you your health, you know, what's wrong with you. So it's like they say that it can be going to the supermarket and then when you're on the way in, you get a blood up drop and then you put that in the machine, you go and do a shopping, you come back, you have your medical readout. So that was the sort of cutting-edge technology, but it failed. The machine doesn't work. So Mrs. Holm is fighting 12 counts of fraud for her role in building up Toronos into a $9 billion company that collapsed when it was revealed that its blood test did not work. Its blood test did not work. This is not what I want to say, but there was an incident. The board of directors came out and said that uh, the, the, all the, the investors was, were in the room. The million and billion dollars investor was in the room, and they represent the fund behind uh, why they are there. And Elizabeth Holmes came with, with her, her team, and they took the machine there and put it on a table and said, okay, call one of the directors, say, okay, you know, take a prick of, from your finger and then, and, and run the test, put the, 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 whatever capsule into the machine. And that's it. There was no, no result or whatever and she continued to do the, to do the sales, to do the sales. What sort of get me is that why do the directors there did not start to question where's the result do a bit of due diligence so what you, you put the blood in that machine and what's happening what's next but there was no question question on that it was until later when a whistleblower came out and actually blow out that the machine actually doesn't work so the the, the question is why didn't the directors there start to question to question carefully, to do due diligence on the machine in front of them. Now, Isaiah chapter 46 and 47 ask us to look carefully, to do due diligence to two important things which will affect our life. Now, what was at stake in the trial was that she wasted how many, how many billion? Nine billion dollars is a lot of money. A lot of money. But I think 
we have to do due diligence as required by Isaiah 46 and 47 of the issue that will affect our life and affect our life for eternity. So, Isaiah 46 and 47 asks us to look carefully at two things, two issues here. In Isaiah 46, the issue was about the worship of idols. The worship of idols. Now, I think it had been preached in the last few weeks ago that it's ridiculous in the, that, that to think that what you made with your hand, you bow down to worship. The same piece of thing you actually make, which actually could, if for a different calling, be put as a fire, to, to, to start a fire, to do your cooking. That piece of wood you use to bow down. It's ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous. Even if, let's say, you were to make, as, as in Isaiah 46 says, some people will make, not from wood, but from gold. It's ridiculous for you to, for us to think that what we make, we bow down and worship and venerate it. And God, in Isaiah chapter 46, condescended to say, you know, to this, compare me, who have known you all and taken care of you all your, all your life. Compare me. I'm the God who is present I'm the living God. I'm the creator God. I'm the God who brings you out. So Isaiah 46 deals with the issue of idolatry. Now, so we have to be very careful. Be very careful. Careful when we, when, when we actually examine, when we examine what, who we worship. Who we worship. We must do due diligence. Due diligence. Because it affects us. For eternity. Now, in Isaiah 47, it is the destruction of Babylon. The destruction of Babylon was prophesied. Now, why? Why was it important for Isaiah to actually prophesy the destruction of Babylon? Now, if there's anything which, which uh, represents worldliness, anything which represents Materialism. I think Babylon stand up as that representation, an outstanding example of worldliness and materialism. Now, Babylon actually have is is a very during that time was very advanced uh, in terms of architectural, cultural. It have sophisticated. People walking around Babylon, and they are probably uh, the most fashionable and the richest people around there, because Babylon was situated uh, in, a, uh, in a very uh, uh, ideal situation for that. It is actually in between two important rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates, and in the middle of it, people coming from the south to go up to the north, they will pass Babylon. Whether if you are traveling from Euphrates or Tigris, you pass through Babylon. And so it thrived. 
Maybe people actually meet halfway. But anyway, it's a very economically uh, important area. So there's a lot of money there. So, so Babylon, among the ancient cities, if you want to represent materialism and you want to represent uh, worldliness, Babylon did it. Babylon did it. So the takedown of in Isaiah 47 is not the, just the takedown of the city of Babylon, but what it represents. What it represents. Materialism and worldliness. Now, I do not want to say that materialism is there because of uh, in, in Babylon. Perhaps you have a lot of hedonistic uh, practices uh, because the money is a lot, there's a lot of money there. Or uh, excessiveness in materialism, bigger house, more beautiful uh, uh, artifacts and all that. But I think if you come to the very basic of materialism and worldliness, it's just this. Living for today with no regard for eternity. To me, materialism is living for today, for everything of today, ambition or whatever, for today, with no regard for eternity. And you may not be in Babylon where all these riches is there. We can still be materialistic, we can still be only focusing on worldliness, on today. And we have to actually change our perspective. God has intended all of us, not just for today, but for eternity. He has created us for eternity, with an eternal purpose. And so the takedown of Babylon is this takedown. This takedown. The takedown of materialism and worldliness. So what relevance will was the reading of Daniel chapter 1. Now, Isaiah 46 and 47 relate to the time of the exile in Babylon. So when Isaiah 46 and 47 was written by Isaiah, this thing never happened yet. When Isaiah was killed by King Menester in 680 B.C., the exile even, uh, Nebuchadnezzar haven't come, came and defeated and destroyed Jerusalem yet and take away the exile. So it was something prophetic. Prophetic. So, when it actually happened, when Isaiah 46 and 47 is in the context, it's the time of exile. So there are a few books which relate to them. Daniel is one of the books. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther are the books where the, these people were in exile. So, by reading Daniel chapter 1, I hope that we could actually relate to what are the challenges the exiles were facing and how Daniel, uh, Isaiah 46 and 47 relate to encouraging them or warning them. Okay, warning them or encouraging them. So it is not Isaiah 46 and 47 is not an accusative form. The 
Isaiah is not accusing them. Accusing them. But to warn them. To warn them and to encourage them. If perhaps like, now we have to pray for uh, for those uh, of our our uh, members, uh, especially who are going to the university, because I think there will be a real uh, challenge to them in that environment. So Isaiah chapter 46 and 47 is to me like a letter written by a parent to a child who is going away. A change of uh, different challenges in the university perhaps, in the next education level, whereby they'll be challenged and the, the, the parent was saying, you know, please, these are the warnings, these are things you have to look out for and, 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 and these are things you have to hold on to. So, Isaiah 46 and 47 to me is for, to the exile, a letter of God through Isaiah giving them a letter to warn them on these two things, idol, idolatry and materialism. So Daniel chapter 1, uh, chapter, the book of Daniel is relevant. Now in Daniel chapter 1, it, it states that there's a group of there's a group whereby Nebuchadnezzar there's a group whereby King Nebuchadnezzar after he defeated uh, the king of Judah he took a group of people and over here uh, uh, in from verse 1 to verse 7, chapter 1, it states of a very specific group, Meshach, Shidrach, and Abednego. Among the exiles are also people who are actually faithful believers. Faithful believers. They actually love the Lord and they are faithful believers. And so one of the things I learned here is that uh, and, and look that they, they really, really obeyed the Lord. There are people who really obeyed the Lord. Now one of the things is that uh, as application is that all of us need encouragement. All of us need also for you all to, you know, uh, for each other to tap our back and say, you know, uh, how's your family life? How are you doing? You know? And really have a serious question and to encourage each other or to, to, to ask each other to be careful with the influences around us. So Daniel chapter, uh, what do you call Daniel chapter, <coughs> chapter 1, with this group of people who are so, should I say, you know, uh, uh, faithful believers still need encouragement, still need encouragement, still need a tap on the shoulder. So when they read the book Isaiah 46, 47, it's a reminder to them to also continue to be faithful, continue to love God, continue to be careful with what they are doing. The first issue of idolatry is presented in Daniel chapter 3. 
The basic of this story is this. Nebuchadnezzar, in, if you look Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar erected, made, made an made a image of gold. And, and he charged them to actually, the people to come to worship this image. Now, idolatry comes in many, many levels. It could be just a person wearing a lucky charm or a necklace with, a, with, with some object. And that's very common, very common in, from where I come from. It could be also some people have a, a, an object of veneration in their house and they actually bow down, pray, offer food or something to that. So that's at the, that level. In the next level, they may go to the temple where you have all these idols or to, to worship, to worship. But over here in Daniel chapter uh, 3, the exile faces a state-sponsored, state-sponsored idol practice. While they may not have a, 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 an amulet or an idol in their home, or they go to, the, to, to worship with the idols of their neighbors. They are affected by this. This is a state-sponsored idolatry. So when Nebuchadnezzar erected this, and on the time of dedication, can you imagine that there will be a festival going on? There will be music. There will be music on, on, the, on the day of dedication. Celebration. Musician around, celebration. There could be also special food made for that day. It is a festive time. People have to enjoy. But also, there are also policemen. There are also enforcers together with the police, uh, the musician. And the enforcers will be going around and say, who is, who are not participating in this idolatry. And that's what, what happened. Mishab, Shidab, and Abednego, <coughs> together with <coughs> the Jewish exile, <coughs> they refused to bow down. They refused to bow down to this state-sponsored idolatry. And they, <coughs> and they, and they say no. <coughs> no. No. Even they were given a second chance to say, oh, okay, you, you said no, we caught you saying you didn't bow down. I give you a second chance now. Look here. You bow down now and you get free. If not, I'm sorry, I've thrown you into the burning fire. And the great, one of the most inspiring passage of the Bible I find is found in Daniel chapter 3. When this Meshach, Shidrach, and Abednego replied to the king, they say, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Thank you, Andrew. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. Yes, God is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Now, but even, but even if he does not, we want you to know 
We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your God or worship the image of gold you have set up. Or image of gold you have set up. Such clarity. Such clarity. Perhaps they must have be encouraged when Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 46. Thanks, Andrew. Verse 3 say, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all you who remain of the house of Israel, you whom I have upheld since you were conceived and have carried since your birth, even to your old age and your gray hair. I am He. I am He who will sustain you I have made you and will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. So I think that uh, Meshach, Shidrach and Abednego would have been encouraged again this verse of Isaiah 46 that God will Protect and encourage, encourage them. Now, maybe among the exile, there are some who probably choose an easier route to follow the crowd, to follow the crowd, and and to participate at various degree this idol worship, this state-sponsored idol worship. There's a warning here in Isaiah chapter 46. Verse 8. Remember this. Fix in your mind. Take it to heart. You rebels. You rebels. God called them rebels. Remember the former things. Those of long ago. I am God and there's no other. I am God and there's none like me. I have made the end from the beginning. I, sorry, I made known the end from the beginning. From ancient time and what is still to come, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. So to those who sort of want to take the easier path, God give them a warning. Remember this, fit in your mind, take it to your heart, you rebel, you rebel. He is the God who make known the end from the beginning. Compare this to the lifeless idol who can't even move. Let's, let's speak. But this is the God who speaks. And not only He speaks, He makes His plan known. He makes the end known from the beginning. And this is the only God, as I can see, the only belief system which have the audacity to say, we know the end because God revealed to us. He made the end known 
from the beginning. He says here, His purpose will stand. His purpose will stand. And I'll do it. I'll do that. I please. And what's the end? Verse 13. What's the end? What's the end of this all? I will bring my righteousness near. It's not far away. And my salvation will not be delayed. When I think of the end, what have God have for, for us as store? It's a time of righteousness. It's a time of righteousness. It's a time of righteousness. So, if we despair of the, the trouble we have in this world, God is preparing for us a time where His righteousness will rule. His righteousness will rule. Isaiah chapter 47 is the takedown of worldliness and materialism. Isaiah 47 is the takedown of worldliness and materialism in the form of the takedown, taking down of Babylon. As I mentioned that uh, the, 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 the strategic position Babylon is situated actually gave us a lot, gave, gave the, 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 the people economically, uh, it's, it's a very economically successful, successful uh, city. So with that economic success also comes a lot of things which actually sort of uh, 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 be very seductive. It be very it's a great form of seduction to those exiles. Can you imagine the 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 the, the Jewish exiles, and they, they 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 came into the city of Babylon, and straight away they see bigger chariot, bigger house, uh, the hanging tower of Babylon. And people of such culture and fashion and everything looks so good and so cool. I think there will be, a lot of them will be, yeah, it is impressive. It's impressive. And they'll be really struck, uh, sort of, uh, by, by, by the, the sophistication and the, the, the advancements of the city of Babylon. And then there's a seduction there. There's a seduction there. So they will be have to actually reevaluate the things they do daily, to be careful in their life daily because of this. The seduction will be that uh, will pull them to 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 have uh, the the agenda of the day more important than to look at things in the eternal sense, eternal sense. So for me. I find that the story of how, of what was read to us, how read to us, how Daniel and his and his friend rejected rejected the food offered to them in the palace, was maybe a good example of how they stand up against against materialism. Now they were in a place whereby you can say in the right place, 
is in the right city. It's probably the most, uh, as I say, the most developed place, the, 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 the best city around there. And they were in the best university. They were in the best university because it's, it's a royal university and they get the best scholarship. Food are provided, all kind of food. You, whatever you want, you get it. And they got the best tutor. And they, and, and they got the, the sponsor, King Nebuchadnezzar himself. So they were in the right place at the right time with all the uh, uh, trimmings. So it's a high temptation. Just go with the flow. Just go with the flow. Don't rock the boat. Go with the flow. And you're in a position to actually gain career advancement. They were there. But they refused to go with the flow. And they say that this food, you know, this indulgences which is not permissible by my God, we will not participate. We will not participate. Because they serve a higher God. They serve the God of Israel. They serve the God of Israel. So they did not succumb. They choose to obey God. Even in the simple manner of food. Even the simple manner of food. So they were warned. They were warned against the seduction of Babylon. So because God says that He will pull down Babylon. He will pull down the economy of Babylon. He says that, yeah, He says in verse 2 of 47, Take millstone and grind floor. Take off your wheel. He will show the shame of Babylon. Lift up your skirt. Bear your legs. And wait in stream. Your nakedness will be exposed and your shame uncovered to Babylon who is the people who are sophisticated. They will be exposed. Their nakedness will be exposed. They have people who are wise, who are, they are technologically advanced. If you consider the wisdom uh, in verse 10, uh, you say, your wisdom and knowledge misled you. Or the technology they have as regard to stargazing and astrology, all this will be taken down. All this will be taken down. All this will be taken down. I don't know how else to say the, the, the range of materialism in Babylon. But as long as they do not have an eternal perspective, Whatever material, whatever we can touch, we, we can touch or hold or try to achieve just for this time, for this present life, all this will pass away. However big a house we have, we will be limited to just a small box at the end of the day. At the end of the day. We can't even fill the small box at the end of the day of which they put us in. So materialism, to me, is defined as living for today. Living for today. Not caring for what God intended us for. Having an internal perspective. So Isaiah 46 and 47, we have to carefully look at it and and examine who we worship 
who we worship, and also to examine what we prioritize in our life, what we prioritize in our life. Are we just living for today? Are we living for today? Let me close in the word of prayer. Our Father God, we thank you, dear Lord God, that we do have a hope in you because we worship you whose purpose will be fulfilled. We want to be caught up in your purpose. We want to be caught up in your will. We want to walk where you lead us because you are the living God. You are eternal God. We pray for this, dear Lord God, that you keep us always focused, always focused to live our life in your presence. We pray for this, dear Lord God. And sometimes we may be doing a lot of things at the at the most by habit and forget about the meaning behind that. Especially when we come to worship you or sing the song or hymn, we pray that you impress again and again to us. Remove the scale of of of, of our eyes so that we can actually see you, dear Lord God, in our in our life, in our worship. We pray for this, dear Lord God. We pray that we live in your presence even as we walk each day. The many challenges we face us in, in having to make decisions about career, in, in, uh, what we buy, or how much we spend and all that. Not that we become very uh, paranoid, but we want to pray that we will bless you. We will use our resources wisely and we will not cling on to the security we think we can find in the resources. Or we will not look at the goals of this life as the ultimate goal, but always to have the eternal perspective to serve you, to look for your smile. I pray this, dear Lord God, that you will be in my life, always considering this. I pray this for my family's life, dear Lord God. I pray for this. I pray this for our church, that we will actually, dear Lord God, have that pleasure, dear Lord. So we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.